Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program, produced at the studios of 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Marie Nord. On today's Women on the Line, I speak with mother and daughter authors Leslie and Tammy Williams about their newly released book, titled Not Just Black and White, A Conversation Between a Mother and Daughter. The book is a memoir about Leslie and Tammy's shared journey for justice. At a young age, Leslie was forced to leave her family and the Sherberg Aboriginal settlement to work as a domestic servant. The work was virtually unpaid and she was told her wages and the wages of many others in the same position were being kept safe to be accessed another time. This other time never came. Soon, Leslie began to question her situation and started digging to find out where all the money she earned had gone. Inspired by her mother's journey, a teenage Tammy wrote an essay that ended up landing her and her mother the trip of a lifetime to Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch and ultimately to the United Nations in Geneva. Their memoir details these stories and how the untold stories of slave labour in Australia were given a platform. This episode of Women on the Line references traumatic and triggering experiences and issues throughout. Please consider your health when listening in and contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 if you need support. Name's Leslie. I'm a community elder. I'm passionate about our history and I believe that history should be, uh, be made to come alive and... Uh, campaign for the return of money that was withheld for us. So I've been working also for the past 20 odd years as a public servant for the Queensland Government. Got six beautiful grand grandchildren. Two here that came down with with myself and Tammy and her husband with us here in Melbourne and, and four the other four live in um, in Canberra. My name is Tammy. I'm a proud um, Murray or Aboriginal woman from Queensland. I'm a mother of two beautiful boys, a barrister. I specialise in uh, in uh, human rights law and children's uh, children's matters, and uh, and I've also had the um, great um, privilege of um, writing a book with my mum for the past twenty years and and learning her her life history and knowing more about her as a person as opposed to what I experienced as a daughter. When I grew up in the, I mean, I'm only 37, uh, when I grew up in Gympie, uh, which is a, a rural town in Queensland, uh, in during the 80s and 90s, there weren't many uh, Aboriginal role models that I could see in the community to represent those roles that I wanted in life. Uh, so I would look on television or listen on radio for, um, for people who I could try and identify with because at home mum kept encouraging me and saying even though we came from a single parent family and grew up, now I, now I understand that we grew up below the poverty line, she made me believe that I could be anything that I wanted to be. But the dilemma for me was I couldn't see people in the community who I could identify myself in because of different skin colour and culture. 
So in the 80s, I don't know whether you remember, but uh, the uh, Cosby show was was big and uh, and I just loved Claire Huxtable. And although I never saw Claire in court, I liked the idea that uh, I liked the idea of her lifestyle, that she was this woman that had was able that had it all that had the kids and was able to had this professional job uh, and she was sort of unflappable so the idea of um, the idea of being a lawyer and having the image of Claire Huxtable in my mind was was clear uh, as um, because the only other role model I had at the time was Michael Jackson because I saw him a lot on on TV and then uh, over the years I helped my mum as she revealed a little more of her story of um of what happened to Aboriginal people in not only in Queensland but in other states around the country of of our, our people being uh, taken from their family and forcibly made to work as as domestic servants or labourers and they didn't receive their wages. It was so-called held in trust by the government and they never, ever received that money. And I realised then while growing up that knowledge of the law was power and... And it was a bit like a game, a board game, that life was a board game. And in order to, for example, win the game of Monopoly, which my son loves playing, you've got to know the rules and you've got to have some strategy. And so you need to know the rule book. And so for me, the rule book is the law. And in order to know that rule book, I had to study law. And, uh, and so I saw it as, as a means to the end, to, means it was a pathway for which for me to be able to help my people and my family to have knowledge and uh, so I started my career as a prosecutor of all things, a, a federal prosecutor, and uh, and then um, was able to move into the human rights field uh, and specialise now in children's matters, in particular child protection. So um, although they're, you know, it, it isn't a lucrative area, if you're going to make a lot of money in the law, you, you go to the commercial area. Uh, but you do this because... Um, because it's because I feel it's it's right, it's important, but that's only one part of who I am. You know, I'm a I'm a woman first. Although yes, I'm a very proud Aboriginal woman, but and culture is important to me. But um, I'm a woman first, and part of being a woman is a, is a mother to to two beautiful boys. And I see my 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 main job is to raise them to be strong and respectful of themselves, of their elders, of women. Uh, and um, and and to to know that that their position in life isn't about what they can do and succeed; it's their contribution, their responsibility. And and I try and show that, demonstrate that, not by telling them that, but by le- leading an example. And and sometimes in life, it's it's not about the job that you have, but it's about how much passion you have in life and following your dream. And so that's why I've put my career on hold uh, for the last, um, you know, 20 years, essentially, I've been working with mum in recording her, her life story uh, and, and writing a memoir called Not Just Black and White, uh, because that's another way to educate people and make change. It's not just in a in a courtroom, but also through literature, the, the power of, of reading. And, and as mum had mentioned in the intro, our goal was to bring history alive so that when people can can read mum's story. They can actually put themselves in mum's shoes of what it's like, what, what it was like for our elders growing up and the fact that they had no rights. Yeah, and when you said um, leading by example, I feel like um, Leslie's the perfect 
person to lead by example. Well, she's now, although I looked externally for a role model, and I think this is sort of, um, 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 I think it's often the case for children, we look external, we think when we're teenagers, we know it all, that mum, how would she remember or dad remember? And now that I've become a woman and, and I'm 37 and I happen to be the same age that mum was when she was widowed and was left to raise three children by herself after my dad um, died of suicide, uh, I've realised, and, and this was the beauty of writing a story with her and recording her story, was, wow, how grateful and honoured I am to have the best role model I could ever ask for living with me and raising me and and you know, and, and so I encourage other people out there who are listening to to get to know the stories of their mothers and aunties and grandparents. You may not want to publish your work, and we've gone that far, but at least recording those stories because once you know your past, you have a gr- better grasp of the present, and you feel more empowered of the future. And that could only come by um, by mum um, being brave and and revealing. Uh, what happened in her life. And when, Leslie, did you decide that after recording um, all of this, that it was it was time to be a book? Or was that um, from the very beginning? Actually, it was from the very beginning. When I got uh, access through um, the Freedom of Information to the, to the records that the government held on us. So apart from living there and having your life controlled, we didn't know that all this control was actually documented. So then I'd come by chance across uh, some records that was held and then that led me then to uh, go and up to research more, to find out more about this is actually what, even though we lived it and I've always remembered life on, on this community, but to actually see it written down there and I thought, I've got to write a book. I want to write a book. And I'll tell the world about this is what life was like. And how jarring was the experience that you have compared to the experience within government records? And how different were those stories told? On one re- record in particular, it was about, um, it, it was called a social history card. How they are. How how they identified Aboriginal people, like, for instance, your name, your you know, sex and religion. And this word that was typed in to describe us was called, what breed are you? Breed to the white official meant if, if you were dark, really dark skin, you were full blood. If you were lighter coloured skin, you were half caste or quadroon. So that, that's just one of the many records. Was written. So naturally, when I read it all, I got very angry, very upset. And um, so then it led me. But my main aim was to find out exactly what had happened to all the money that everyone had worked for was kept in trust. You know, not only talking about my generation, there's also, uh, also my, my older sisters, my parents and my grandparents. So we're talking about three generations of people from 1897 right through to the 1970s. And that's ultimately like what would be considered slave labour, right? That is... Absolutely. If you're not getting mm. paid to do work, that, that's ultimately slave labour. How have you presented this issue and how has it been received in a, in a country like Australia where it's very, very common to have this, you know, cultural and social amnesia of things that continue to happen? 
Well, we first of all wanted to let all the politicians know. So not only state politicians, but federal commonwealth politicians. And a lot of community groups and school groups and government departments, you know, I just, we went out talking, did up writing letters and petitions to, and just to inform everybody about, and even in the end got a lot of white fellows to sign a lot of the letters to support that the need for a, an open inquiry so that everyone knew about it. On Community Radio Around Australia, you're listening to a chat with mother and daughter authors Leslie and Tammy Williams on Women on the Line. Go to 3cr.org.au slash Women on the Line to download this week's program. Don't forget you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. What I've, um, you know, as, as, a, um, as someone watching Mum and her campaign, uh, what I'd learnt through Mum's actions and um, was that... Um, she was able to make change and get a lot of support from the non-Indigenous community as well as the Indigenous community in Queensland. And might I say, this this scheme was similar schemes throughout the country, um, by ran by various state governments. Uh, so, uh, but in in Queensland, what we're talking about, um, in order to to penetrate that resistance from mainstream community, I think Mum did it in two ways. First of all, she shared it on a personal level and 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 connected story between and 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 present and and shared about look this is what happened to me i was sent out to work i worked from dawn to 10 o'clock at night every day of the week i didn't receive my wages i did all this work i had to sleep in a storage shed and she just would to share it as a matter of fact so that there was no guilt people because you know the people the audience weren't responsible for what happened but what mum wanted was their support and I thought that that was very effective uh, because um, and because mum was very generous with her um, sharing some of those really hurtful experiences that happened as you could imagine being a teenager and made to sleep in a storage shed out in the middle of out west the other thing too was I think um, um, I think mum started th- had to think a little bit like the audience. What does, uh, if, if, if people are resistant to hear this, how can I connect with them? So other than personal story, mum would have this little, little saying and she would say, this isn't about handouts. This isn't about compensation. What this is about is a fair day's work for a fair pay. You work and, and you, you, you get paid, don't you? And people say, yes. She said, so this is all this was. I worked, thousands of other people worked. Aren't we entitled to receive our pay? We don't want anything extra. We just want what we were entitled to. And then and that's how mum presented it through all her letters. And I mean, tell them about some of the people you wrote to. <laughs> well, apart from all the local letters to all the politicians, we I just got, we, we were on a roll. We need not only to let people in Australia know, I need to let people in other countries know. So the uh, so the two letters in particular I'll like to mention is that there was a, a very official letter written to um, Her Majesty, Her Majesty who lives up in London. I think her name's Elizabeth and her husband's <laughs> her husband's Phil. So they got a letter, and then I'm feeling really good, and uh, of course it, naturally they had to reply, not necessarily. Her Majesty, it was stamped by the secretary, sent back to Government House in 
in Canberra, which, by the way, I got a copy of that stamp letter that came back. And while I was on a roll, I thought, who else can we write to? I was saying to Tammy. Now that I wrote, wrote to Her Majesty, let me write, let, I want to write now to Bill and Hill. Bill lives over in the White House, was, was living at the time in the White House in, in Washington. So Bill and Hill, unfortunately, I didn't get a reply. But I thought, it doesn't matter. I just make, at least I can talk about it now saying, if I ever run into him down the track, I'll just say, what happened to my letter? I was waiting, I'm still waiting for a reply. But uh, so they're just one of the many and thousands of letters, you know, to the um, Secretary General of the United Nations. This is a human rights issue here, so we wrote to them as well. So I guess our advice to to people with grassroots um, campaigns is to believe in yourself and to back yourself. I mean, we weren't expecting, it would have been lovely if Bill Clinton uh, wrote a personal reply and said, I'm going to pressure the Australian government so that this slavery issue, a past slavery issue is rectified. That would have been great. Uh, But uh, we were realistic and, you know, of course he probably didn't even read the letter, but someone would have read the letter. Someone who would have had was one of the secretaries, same within Buckingham Palace, and that's what mattered. Change can happen one person at a time, and in Mum's case, it took twenty years to, or longer. Uh, but um, you know, and, and that was the same reason why we've written this book, mm. is so that you know, now that our elders are getting older, they can't go out and speak to every person. You know, and that's why radio is great because you can talk to, to multiple people who are tuning in. And it's the same with the book. You know, some people might like to read the story. And, um, and we're just fortunate that now in the, day, in the age of uh, the internet and you can buy it online, download it or purchase, order it through, you know, any mainstream um, bookshop. So um, it's just another way of, of educating and communicating to, to people and sharing that story. And, and that's what reconciliation is about, isn't it? Yep. What's it like to write a book with your mother and your daughter? How is that experience? <laughs> well, initially, I, I think it's mentioned in the book, uh, I had this big idea, a lot of stuff going on in my head. And because having limited education, in fact, one of that limited education include involved having limited writing skills to to transcribe that down from your head onto paper and uh, so that's when Tammy came on board and a very dear friend of ours um, she lives here in Melbourne Jackie Jackie Yale was working at the time for Alan and Unwin but she came on board and thought I just wrote everything down that I had in my head all about this history and I mean no, no kidding, there was masses of um, manuscripts and drafts after draft after draft. And uh, then when it, we put it all together, Tammy, when Tammy came on board, the uh, uh, naturally we were both, I was excited and I insisted, this needs to go in and, of course, she'd write and the next morning when I'd get up, no, she didn't do what I said, so red pen came out. <laughs> and then, of course, naturally... It uh, working so close with someone too, we then had arguments, <laughs> and of course, with the, after the part of the arguments that I got the socks, and I thought I ain't going to talk to her for a while till, till I cool down. So <laughs> it would have taken a couple of hours or even twenty four hours the next day, <laughs> but persevered. Because I knew our old people, my um, elders who have now passed on, 
been traveling on this journey with us. And their spirits I now feel around me. That's what kept me going and kept me going, quietened me down and thought, you don't behave like that, Liz. You respect what you're going to be doing. So that's how it all came together. But Tammy will have a different spin on that. So that's my spin. <laughs> oh, no, I definitely uh, support her perspective that there were fights because <laughs> we were both passionate. Uh, and um, But initially the process, mum had this idea of writing and as she outlined, she had some difficulty initially putting it down on paper. Uh, so as a high school student, and I was studying theatre and drama at the time, uh, we were, uh, I was learning about characterisation and... And um, so I, I got mum to, I started recording her, tape recording her, because she was very good at orally sharing the story. But then when it came down to typing or pen to paper, she would sort of clam up a bit of writer's block. So we have, we still have masses of tapes. I don't know whether there's any tape recorders around these days to, uh, to play these damn tapes. But anyway, we've got them. And then we transcribe them over time. And then as mum's confidence and, and self-education improved, she was then able to write. But uh, literacy is only one part of writing. Uh, the other part is, is knowing the craft of writing. And you're not taught that at school. And, and you're not writing for yourself. You're writing for the reader. So you've got to know who the audience is. So we've, and that's why it took 20 years to write this damn book, because we, we had to learn how to, how to, how to, the art of writing and, and being clear that this book of, um, of the message that we wanted to, to, to communicate the story and who the audience is. And, um, yeah, and so that, that, I think that's what some of the, the debates, if I can put it politely, that happened at home in the writing process occurred because it took us a while to really, although, you know, mum in particular was quite precious with some information, it was important to her, but for the reader, that may not be as, as they may not have that level of importance because they don't have that closeness to it. So, um, so understanding that. Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, that was women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs> The title, Not Just Black and White, uh, with a subtitle, A Conversation Between a Mother and Daughter, it came about, first of all, during the writing period, probably three quarters of the way through, we're writing the stage in the book where Michael Jackson came into our lives. And Michael Jackson, around the time when he, um, I'd, um, this is just as a backstory, I'd written a letter as a teenager uh, when uh, Michael Jackson had his foundation and I was selected as part of a worldwide competition to, uh, to travel overseas and to attend uh, his, um, his World Children's Conference, which was also at Neverland at his, at his house, his theme park. And so as we were writing, uh, reflecting on that period of our life, um, Michael Jackson had a song that he released, Black or White. And our friend who was uh, mentoring us in writing, you know, could see, you know, some interesting, you know, in his lyrics was quite apparent and, and appropriate for what we were doing because of the themes of race, of black and white in the community. So we liked this black and white. But then uh, as we were continuing writing, the st our story also deals with stereotypes. So we came up then with the words, not just black and white. And so it, it's more than just 
colour. It's not just a, you know, when you think of black and white, you think of things as being clear, clear cut, easy. Mm. And there's nothing easy about dealing with racism, dealing with stereotypes. And then there's nothing easy about mum's life, you know, being a single parent, sole parent, you know, dealing with suicide of a husband, raising children, taking on the government on an international campaign. So that's how the title came about. And so what's next? What's next? What's next? Um, the aim of the book was talking, even though I've mentioned talking about their history, I wanted to bring the, the history alive. And as people read the book, they'll some of them will identify with some of the characters and some of them, a lot of people uh, will, and they have, there's themes there that resonated with them and their experiences, so which is a good thing. So it's great for them to, they feel some sort of closure in their lives. And we're hoping that also would love to have it as readers in all schools, all schools throughout uh, Australia, even other countries, and uh, schools and universities and not only even even in the corporate sector so that they have um, a better understanding themselves you know when they open up some parts for their to employment to, when they employ indigenous people so they'll have a better understanding of where we're all coming from You can go into all major bookshops, bookshops, uh, and you, if they don't have it on the on the um, bookshelf, you can order it. Uh, that's one of the battles is uh, is trying to get Indigenous stories accessible. There's lots of stories out there, but it's getting accessible uh, and being seen as a, as commercial. So uh, that can only happen if you go into bookshops and you order it, and uh, and that'll force the bookshops to put it on there bookshelves. Uh, you can also buy it directly from our publisher, U- UQP, Uni- University of Queensland Press, at their website. Uh, you can get it at all major uh, online retailers, Amazon, uh, and I also understand Apple. You can buy it through uh, Apple. And also come and visit us. We have an official book website, uh, www.notjustblackandwhite.com.au. And, uh, and also we have official Facebook page, uh, Not Just Black and White Book. So please come in and visit us and, uh, you know, and we love um, uh, chatting online with, uh, with all of our readers and supporters. Again, if you wanted to get in contact with Tammy and Leslie, please visit their website, notjustblackandwhite.com.au and definitely purchase their book. I think Tammy made a great point about buying it at a bookshop so it is ordered and available for others to access as well. This show referenced traumatic and triggering issues and if you need support, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Programme. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email at womenontheline at hotmail.com. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au slash womenontheline. 
The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Litigd. And the feature song for today's episode is called Around by Sydney-based R&B queen, Nairi. Thank you for listening to Women on the Line. I'm Marie Genoud and I hope you can tune in again next time. Thank you.